the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. The following program is sponsored by Bible Boot Camp Ministries. That number to call, area code 866-423-9578, area code 866-423-9578, to be on the air, Bible Talk, with Pastor Emory Moss. So uh, grateful to be following that dynamic, that wonderful talk show host, Run to Win, Daryl Wood. His program is fantastic. What a good lead-in to this program, where we turn just a little bit and deal with theology, we deal with apologetics, we deal with anything that's on your mind as long as it's dealing with the Bible. Welcome to the Bible Talk program. And on Thursdays, as usual, we have our regular uh, guest, my mentor, my teacher, okay, who uh, uh, I had when I was at Cass Tech, who I think maybe because, uh, you know, we were so close, uh, I'm sure he was honest, but maybe he gave me a little break and gave me some grades <laughs> to get me through his courses there. But uh, talking about none other than Mr. Smith, and uh, I'm going to be dealing with him right now. How are you doing, Mr. Smith? Very well, Pastor Moss, and thank you once again for letting me be on your program. It's always good to have you here because you get us into some intriguing and some uh, some deep stuff. And it uh, looks like you're still dealing with hermeneutics, so, uh, so where are we going today, sir? Well, we're going to touch on the topic we dealt with the last several programs, Intentional Obscurity. We may be able to complete that topic. We got onto this topic, you remember, because we were first dealing with the rules of interpretation. Then we landed in, uh, I think it was Second Peter chapter 3, and we were dealing with verse 7, 10, and I believe it's verse 13. And I pointed out that Peter did not give the proper order of events as he wrote there. And then we mentioned that 
John, when he wrote the book of Revelation, did not give the proper order of events when he wrote chapter 1 and 22. He reversed them. Uh-huh. And the question is, why would they do that? And the answer is because of intentional obscurity. They were employing that device as a figure of speech, we can call it. And how do we know for sure that they reverse those things? Because they allude directly to the prophecy of Isaiah, found in chapter 65 and 66, where Isaiah gives the correct order of events. But both Peter and John did not do that because they did not want to get their recipients of their letters or books uh, any troubles with the Roman authorities or the Jewish authorities. Now, I want to show you how fearfully striking this concern is about not getting involved in a way that would upset the Jewish or the Roman authorities. And to do that, I want to read uh, to you from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, starting at verse 20. Okay. I'm I'm reading from the King James Version because that's the one I'm most familiar with. I use many different versions, and each version, you know, adds extra light as you study it. But I usually use the King James Version to start from. (laughs) So it says, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Mm-hmm. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. My, what faith she had. That's right. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. <laughs> Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Wow, that's amazing. When she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Mm-hmm. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And then comes the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. That certainly shows that he had compassion. That's right. So going on with verse 36. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind 
have caused that even this man should not have died? That was a pertinent question. Remember, Jesus purposely delayed his coming. That's right. Yep. So then in uh, John eleven thirty eight, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. In other words, just like the grave that Jesus was buried in had that stone over the door, so did the gra- the grave site where Lazarus was buried. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, "Take ye away the stone." Martha, the sister that was dead, saith unto him, "Lord, by this time he stinketh." For he had been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, <clears throat> Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Uh-huh. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Now here's where the story turns ominous. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a consul and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If, and here's the key verse. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. Uh-huh. So we can stop the reading of the chapter there. That's a the whole chapter is worth reading carefully. But verse 48, which I just concluded with, is the key as to why they had to employ intentional obscurity. This also answers the reason why this account about the resurrection of Lazarus is not included in Matthew or Mark or Luke. And many interpreters believe that that was because Lazarus was still alive and they didn't want to attract any more attention to him than absolutely necessary because it was likely that the Jews planned to have him dispatched as well. But yet we see it in John. So you say in the synoptics we don't find it, but in John we do. Uh, That's right. And the reason for that is is that John wrote his book later. Okay. And so scholars presume, and I think they're most likely right, that uh, because he wrote later, Lazarus was no longer in danger. I see. So he could tell the whole story. Ah. Boy, well, that makes sense. That makes mm-hmm. sense. And that's why uh, we see that the synoptics, in fact, probably, uh, it's making me think that uh, John is very valuable as a gospel because uh, he acknowledges everything that was said in the synoptics is so, but he says some things here that you don't necessarily find in uh, the synoptic gospels, 
which were uh, reserved because of the pressure it would have put on them because of the Roman government at that time. Wow. Yep, that's right. All right, now I want to go back to where we left off last time, and that was in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, uh-huh. where it says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now, that's a rather obscure verse, as you can tell just listening to me read it. <laughs> and there's been a lot of scholarly discussion one way or the other as to just what on earth does it mean? Who is it that now letteth? And the word letteth is an older use of that English word, which means hindereth. So what is the hinderer? And who is going to cause him to be taken out of the way? Now, last time at the end of the program, I went through a number of options that people have suggested as to who that might be. The one I've heard the most is the Holy Spirit. And maybe you yeah, heard yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, uh, use that as being the only thing. Yeah, but <clears throat> it turns out that that won't work. <laughs> and the reason that won't work, well, let me just give you what the other options are that are often offered. Human government is number one on my list. Number two, the church. Number three, the Holy Spirit. Number four, God. And number five, Satan. Several considerations faithfully applied will narrow down the possibilities to the correct choice. Now, these are key. First, who or whatever this was or is was already known, already existing. Second, whatever is the correct choice must correspond to identifiable prophecy in the Old Testament. Third, Paul is intentionally being obscure here, probably to protect himself and the Christians he is addressing from adverse political persecution. And here comes our verse that we started out with, John 11:48. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And the other passage that ties into this topic is Acts 17, 7. Whom Jason hath received, speaking of Paul and so on, and those all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. So you can see the Christians had to be on their toes because certain folks were interested in getting them in trouble with the authorities. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So similar reticence to protect the parties concerned is reflected in the fact that the Synoptic Gospels do not mention the resurrection of Lazarus. Only John records this event, presumably long after any possible harm might occur to Lazarus himself. Paul uses similar obscurity in 1 Corinthians 15, chapter, 20, chapter 15, verse 24 to 28. And we've talked about that passage for a couple of programs now previously to this. This factor of obscurity immediately rules out the possibility that the references to God, the Holy Spirit, the Church, or Satan, for if any of these were what he meant, he could have unhesitatingly named any one of them without risk. Grammatical considerations also remove God, the Church, or the Holy Spirit from consideration. In this passage, 
two grammatical genders in Greek are used of the restrainer, the neuter gender and the masculine gender. Now, in Greek, gender has nothing to do with sex. It's just a grammatical gender that is used in that language. If the Holy Spirit were the intended reference, Paul would have consistently used the neuter gender because the word spirit is neuter in Greek. Since the Holy Spirit is omnipresent and does not merely indwell believers, the removal of the saints at the rapture would not constitute the removal of the Holy Spirit. His removal is not suggested here or elsewhere in Scripture, as many are to be saved during the tribulation. You'll find that in Revelation 7:14, Revelation 15:2 through 4, and Revelation 20 verse 4. His presence is essential, according to Romans 8:9. If the church were Paul's intended reference, Paul would have consistently used the feminine gender, and that's grammatical gender, not natural gender. For in Greek, the word church is feminine in grammatical gender. Notice this doesn't mean the church is feminine or that the church is called a woman. For Greek, grammatical gender has no necessary connection with natural gender. And this is important for other doctrinal reasons, too, when you look at John 16:13, where John purposely violates Greek grammar to point out that the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh-huh. The reference is not to the church. For if this were the case, the church must be present during the first half of the tribulation. Now, some folks think that's the case, but it's not, until the Antichrist is revealed. Yet this cannot be, for the church is raptured, according to 1 Thessalonians 4.17, before the tribulation begins. How do we know that? Because Paul always specifies when he mentions the rapture, he mentions the rapture first, and he mentions the day of the Lord, which would be, which would include the tribulation afterwards. And when you're reading 1 Thessalonians, remember chapter breaks are artificial. He doesn't mention day of the Lord until chapter 5, about verse 2 or 3. And we have to say that the church is never mentioned in the book of Revelation as present in any passage that pertains to the time of the great tribulation. But... The masculine and neuter gender does fit the future government, neuter gender, and its king, masculine gender. This leaves human government as the only remaining choice of those given. But the reference is not to human government in general, for prophecy nowhere states that such government will cease just prior to the revelation of the Antichrist. Rather, Paul has a specific reference to biblical prophecy in mind. And you'll find that in Daniel 7, chapter 7, verse 8, and Daniel 7, verse 24, where Daniel speaks of the Antichrist defeating three kings, which until that time restrained his power. That Paul's references to prophecy in the book of Daniel is confirmed by his reference to Daniel in 2 Thessalonians, where we're at, chapter 2, verse 4, and his statement in verse 5, which indicates that when he was present with them, he was teaching them about Bible prophecy from the book of Daniel. Uh So that that should pretty well settle who the restrainer is. His obscurity is intentional to avoid conflict with the authorities. Well, you know, I've never had any trouble looking upon the nation 
uh, uh, the government as being involved. The only thing, though, that would not happen unless God okay, is allowing it to happen. It was the only uh, uh, point that I, that I had. So that, uh, in other words, it has to be more than just uh, the, you know, the government alone, uh, because uh, God, of course, is he's, he's the one who has the nations in his hands. I'm sure you'd agree with that. So yep, the target of Christ, that. Yep. yeah, just can't be the Holy Spirit alone, but God's Spirit as He is working on uh, the government uh, and the church. Definitely, it wouldn't be them. But uh, uh, so I see this as uh, just as you say, uh, the, the 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 iniquity that's removed has got to be dealing with uh, the a nation. Uh, but also, we know that God is the one in control of the nations. Yep, and if you look back carefully in Revel in Second Thessalonians two four, he says, "Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that mm-hmm. is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God." And uh-huh. that's a reference to Old Testament prophecy found in the Book of Daniel, in verse five, which says, "Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things." So that proves that Paul had been teaching them about Bible prophecy from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 8 and verse 24. That's so that right. And we, uh, that yeah. And we do recognize, right, that uh, based upon Jeremiah, that God is the one who exalts a nation, brings a nation down. Uh, so definitely, uh, you're, you're right about dealing with government, but still, I'm sure you'd agree that behind uh, the government is always God super ruling over what these governments plan to do. That's right. In this next passage, the last one I have on my list, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27, ties right into what you just said, where it states, And this word... Yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wow. Now, how do you explain that one, Pastor Moss? Well, we've got to dig into that a little bit. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I share my note, it's fairly brief. <clears throat> the expression, those things. Notice the writer's intentional obscurity to avoid exciting unduly the hostility of the Roman Empire under which the believers then lived. And that's a direct quote from a work by Peters that I have enjoyed very much over the years called The Theocratic Kingdom, Volume 2, page 497. Other examples of intentional obscurity can be seen in the passages we already studied in 1 Corinthians 15:24 and 2 Thessalonians 2:7. So the things that are shaken here, which he talks about in 12:27, uh, and this word yet once more signified the removing of those things that are shaken. Now that's talking about. Uh, is that talking about the worldly governments? Yep, that's what it is. Uh huh. Uh, You're pretty uh, sharp, Pastor Moss. Well, I was always you, you about when to your Bible a little bit. <laughs> you, okay? Yep. So that the things that uh, cannot be shaken shall remain. Yeah, very interesting that that language is used in such a way 
to uh, not uh, focus on the, the, the nation to cause an uprising, and at the same time, we know that God is behind all that is taking place and happening. Wow. Yeah, now i got to confess one of my shortcomings, Pastor Moss. I didn't know as much back when I prepared the new treasury and when I prepared the ultimate cross-reference treasury as I do now. Because every day when I study God's Word, I usually learn something new that I didn't see in it before. And I've been studying it for a little while. Well, it's good to hear you say that so that uh, we can convince people that nobody knows it all and we just have to keep studying and doing the very best we can (laughs) with with what we have. But uh, definitely uh, the, the Bible is a great book. It's a challenge. But what you're doing by uh, talking about hermeneutics, these are the kinds of skills we need to unravel things that are in the text. That's exactly right. And not enough people are aware of this, but I hope as they listen to our program that they'll begin to catch on that, hey, you know, maybe this stuff is worth knowing after all. Now, here's a verse that I didn't know about being connected to uh, Hebrews 12:27 from Haggai. And how often have we been reading in the book of Haggai? Chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, which is, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. In verse 7, And I will shake all nations. Now that kind of explains what he's talking about in verse 6. And the desire of all nations shall come. The scholars have been wrangling and arguing as to who's the desire of all nations. Well, it ought to be obvious it would be the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. I don't know why they struggle with that so much, but I've been reading what they have to say. And And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, at the end or toward more later in the chapter... Haggai says again, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen, and I will overthrow the chariots, and those that ride in them, and the horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. Now, you notice again how verse 21 is explained by verse 22. Okay. Now, Peters makes a reference to the commentary by Owens on Hebrews. You know, it's in big four big volumes that I have. I guess it's got, I think I remember that Wilbur Smith said about four million words in the whole commentary. And I'll confess I have not read it all the way through. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't even tried that one, Pastor Moss. (laughs) Concerning the commentary that Owens wrote, he then enters into an interesting discussion appealing to Haggai 2, verse 6 and 7, saying that, quote, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and I will shake all nations. And he explains that's a pleonasm, which means using more words than necessary just for a stronger effect. For I will shake the heavens and the earth of all nations. That's shortening it up a little bit, explaining what it really says. Making the heavens of the nations, the political heights and glory, forms of government, and so forth, 
while the nation's earth is the multitude of their people, their strength and power, whereby the heavens are supported. Owen's argument is materially confirmed, Peter says. If we turn to the latter part of the chapter in Haggai and notice how the prophet explains by the parallelism how the throne of kingdoms will be overthrown and the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen will be destroyed, which finds an accurate correspondence in many prophecies, such as Psalm 2, Daniel 12:44, Revelation 11:13, and so forth, that describe the erection of the Messiah's kingdom to follow the fearful downfall of the kings and kingdoms of the earth. And in fact, there it's so absolutely it. amazing that a lot of this sounds just like the book of Revelation. Yeah. Wow. And I'm wow. sure it alludes in the book of Revelation in some ways to these Old Testament passages. Wow. Well, Mr. Smith, you have given us another hermeneutic lesson today. <laughs> that is, uh, It's just amazing how the Bible is so well put together. Uh, where we see the same theme running throughout the book, and then the carefulness that had to be done by God guiding the writers to such a degree that they could have this obscurity and not uh, and, 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 and hold off as long as possible the attacks that could come from government concerning what they're teaching. Wow. Yep, you got it. And thank you so much for letting me share this with your audience today. All right, well, thank you, and we will see you again next Thursday. God bless you, good friend. Thank you, Pastor right. Moss. Yes, sir. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Take care, Let's Mr. See, Smith. something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too, the customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call Right now, and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need 844 57 Bible. That's 844 57 Bible. 844 57 Bible. Things you can buy for $5 a day a Starbucks, Big Mac, car wash, a six pack of cheap beer, and pizza. Now you can buy your own power from the sun. That's right. You can own your own solar power for just $5 a day. If you want more information, Visit our website at www.solar-solutionsofamerica.com or just give us a call at 248-805-1244. Putts, Pars, and Pastors. Tee it up at the 2021 Pastors Masters with WLQV FM 92.7 and AM 1500 Faith Talk Detroit. Registration is open for this year's tournament Monday, September 13th at the Westwind Golf Club in Oakland Township. The cost is $20 for 18 holes and includes continental breakfast, lunch, prizes, and fellowship. Reserve your spot by logging on to faithtalkdetroit.com. Sign up yourself, a group, or gift the round to a pastor. Visit faithtalkdetroit.com for more Pastors Masters information. Do you really want your kid to fit in with his or her peer group? 
Adam Griffin says maybe not. Because our culture is increasingly secular, one of the most important things for us to remember is to raise a Christian right now is not to raise a kid that's ready to be the most popular kid in school. It's ready to to stand up for what's right, even when nobody else wants to. Pointing our kids in the right direction spiritually. Next time on Family Life Today. Listen for Family Life Today, weekday mornings at 7.30. Download the free odyssey.com app at the Apple Store or Google Play to listen to WLQV FM 92.7 and AM 1500 Faith Talk Detroit. Live and on demand, hear the very best in local and national Bible teachings and preaching from ministry leaders across the Motor City and around the country. Discover engaging faith-based programs, inspiring sermons, Christian talk, and local sports on WLQV FM 92.7 and AM 1500. Stream Faith Talk Detroit live on odyssey.com today. That number to call, area code 866-423-9578, area code 866-423-9578. Be on the air, Bible Talk with Pastor Emmy Moss. So good to be with Mr. Smith on Thursdays. And man, after he's finished, we have to get out of that deep well that he puts us in, so filled with all of this uh, professional biblical information. Thank God for him. Uh, Right now, I would like to get you ready for some apologetics, especially some cult apologetics, and I'm going to say this offhand. People, some people think I'm mean-spirited. I am not. I respect every single person. I might not agree with uh, what is said by cultists and people in the kingdom of the cult, but understand, I do not respect anyone or disrespect anyone. Why? Because the job of the apologist is not just to argue with people. The, The job of the apologist is to defend the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Uh, so therefore, uh, I definitely do not want to insult people. In fact, uh, you know, I believe it's appropriate to mention names, but what happens is some people take offense to that. Well, why you got to use their names? So this time I'm not going to use names. I'm just going to give you the theology. Now, on August 28th, that Saturday that I've been pushing so strong, okay, the uh, apologetic uh, boot camp, I will use names there, okay? But on the radio, hey, in fact, I am glad that even Christian radio stations play some stuff that I think is not biblical, okay? I don't want to be hidden from uh, what people are saying. Uh, I think by, uh, by using the Bible, we're able to find out what is true or what is false. So I don't think that Christian uh, stations should be censored for giving us the views that others teach. But this this is a free country. But at the same time, the church cannot uh, stand back from their job of defending the faith that was once delivered to the saints. So there's things, and the Bible says this, right? Uh, I want to read you a few scriptures as we uh, uh, get into my second topic here, uh, where it says, uh, the Apostle Peter said, there were also false prophets amongst, amongst the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrespute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. That's Second Peter 2, 1-3. Then this one. 
even from your own number. Now, this is amazing, okay, but this is happening now as I speak. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Okay? This is what Peter did. Where are the warners today that are warning people about false doctrine? That was done in the Bible. Okay? So don't tell me. You can tell me anything. I'll be as kind as I can. But you've got to tell it like it is. If something contradicts the word of God, then that has to be known. That has to be acknowledged. Okay? Notice here. Matthew 7:15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Okay? So false prophets, not the only place they talked about. Talked about in other places in the Bible as well. Uh, over in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18 and in Deuteronomy chapter 13. Okay? So clearly the Bible talks about these things. Uh, it's something that every Christian... Uh, every evangelist and pastors have to be involved with to defend the faith, right? Why? Because we have some things that are said that just, friends, they're just not true, and they can lead people astray. For example, let me give you just a few examples that I have uh, here from this book, Christianity in Crisis, by Hank Hanegraaff, okay? And what he says, one chapter, he calls it the force of faith. It says, Faith is a, here's a, here's a quote. I won't tell you who said it. You get the book, read it for yourself, okay? But definitely, it's a word faith teacher, someone big in the word faith movement. Faith is a power force. It is a tangible force. It is a conductive force. He further says that in much the same way that the force of gravity makes the law of gravity work. It is this force of faith which makes the laws of the spirit world function. This force originates from God out of his unlimited heart. In fact, he says the world was born out of the force of faith that was resident inside the being of God. Okay? Uh, he even claims that God cannot do anything for you. Now, listen to this. Okay? This is what a teacher uh, of the Bible, so-called, is saying. It says, uh, God cannot do anything for you apart from your faith because God's because faith is God's source of power. What do you mean faith is God's source of power? All of a sudden, what do you have to do? You now have to define what does faith mean, right? What does it mean? Where in the Bible will you find where it says that faith is God's source of power? Just think, this person goes on. God cannot do anything for you apart from the, the force, without the force of faith. God has no power. I could not pray my lips to say that. God could have no power at all toward you. Already, one thing should be clear, okay? Uh, the person who says this, God is no God at all, okay? <laughs> not if, in fact, he needs uh, your permission. Going to go to the phone lines. Caller, you're on the air. Yes. Uh, we began a conversation on last week. And I was asking you about uh, the Sabbath, and you went to the book of, uh, I think it was Romans, the 14th chapter. Are you yes, familiar sir. with that? Uh, Romans 14. Uh, Pardon me? Yeah, that is where I went, was to Romans, uh, Romans chapter 14. Well, can I submit to you that I looked at Romans 14 after, you know, you terminated the call. Uh -huh. and the word Sabbath does not appear anywhere in Romans 14. 
That wasn't my point. Well, my point was not that this happened. My point is Romans 14 and 5, where it says, One man esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day. Now, if we talk about every day, then the Sabbath is one of them. Uh, so one man esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regards the day, regards it unto the Lord. He that regards not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. And he that eats, and then he gets into the dietary laws as well. So if he says that, you know, you can, uh, every man be fully persuaded in his own mind, a person who believed that the only, the day that would be the Lord's day, wouldn't use language like that, in my opinion. So, yeah, that's how I take it. I just take him for what it says. Well, are, are you a follower of uh, of Christ? You Would you say you're a follower of Christ? Absolutely. And I follow what Paul said here in Romans chapter 14. One man esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. To me, if Paul you read, not, you read said, Luke 4, he would have said, was, just, uh, you know, the Sabbath day is the only day, and, uh, you know, and leave it at that. Can you read uh, Luke 4.16, and uh, elaborate on that for me, please. Well, now, there you go. You read. You've got it before you. So you read okay. that to me. It says, um, Luke 4, verse 16, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for it to read. So here, the Messiah... It went into the went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and those who said they're followers of Christ, they don't keep the Sabbath, and you make it as though Sabbath is optional. When Sabbath is in Genesis the second chapter, what what does Sabbath mean to you, uh, Pastor? Uh, Sabbath means to me uh, a, a day of rest that was in the Old Testament. And uh, now our rest is from Luke. You didn't let me finish. Now our rest is in Christ and no longer in a day. In fact, the uh, Sabbath day is called a shadow in the Bible. Uh, I'm I'm not familiar with that particular verbiage. Well, let, let me let, let me uh, let me show you here where I'm from. No, and, and and understand where I'm at with this. Uh, whatever it is, a day you want to uh, acknowledge, I, I'm with that. I'm just saying uh, that uh, that the Sabbath day uh, was Old Testament, okay, uh, and it's been fulfilled in Christ. Over in Colossians chapter two, verse sixteen, here's what Paul says as well. It says, uh, this is in Colossians two sixteen. Let no man, uh, and he said, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in respect of a holy day. Holy day. This is 16, Colossians 2, 16. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So the Sabbath day is the shadow. The person who feels that shadow is Christ. Our rest is in him. It's not in the day. I have no problem with uh, people who keep the Sabbath day. The only problem I have is when they say that if you don't, you're sinning. When in the Bible, uh, Romans chapter 14 
And uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, seems to be, you know, verse 17, it says, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the body is of So I've never condemned a person. May I ask you one question? And I definitely would not let anyone condemn me for uh, my Sunday. May May I ask you a question about that Colossians 2? Sure. Was... Was Paul's audience Sabbath keepers? His audience was Christians. All Christians, whether Jews or Gentiles. He said... We got a break, and we'll be right back. Chris McCourtney, team leader at Salem, Detroit, and Salem Surround, the fastest-growing digital ad agency in southeastern Michigan for sure. We've leveraged our long history here in Detroit and need great people with big goals and big ideas to help our partners get to their goals for 2021. Call or text me at 248-765-4388 and let's connect. We'll talk about excellence in executing for our multi-million dollar clients and our SMBs too. We're looking for leaders who want to grow with a fast-paced company. Selling experience is preferred but not required. Leadership and a hunger to be the best, that's not optional. We've got a solid, successful team, and we're looking to get even better. Is that you? Call or text me at 248-765-4388. That's 248-765-4388. Salem Surround is an equal opportunity employer. Are you tired of exposing your retirement to stock market risk? How would you like to participate in stock market gains but never stock market losses? Join Joe Uplegger for the Safe Money and Income Radio Show, Saturday mornings at 9 on FM 92.7 AM 1500 Faith Talk, Detroit. You can also call Joe now for your complimentary customized Safe Money Kit and Safe Money Book at 866-436-0133. That's 866-436-0133. Shop online at gotahalfitnow.com to discover great local deals and 50% off gift certificates for businesses around Metro Detroit. Spa Mariana, Birmingham's favorite day spa, is offering a $50 gift certificate for $25. Use it on an array of mind, body, and spirit treatments, including meditation classes, facials, or their signature Spa Mariana massage. Go to gotahalfitnow.com. That's gotta, H-A-L-F, itnow.com to purchase a $50 gift certificate for just $25 to Spa Mariana in Birmingham. On In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley, you'll hear wisdom taught from God's Word. This is God's instruction book. It tells me how to live. You cannot live this life with joy and peace and happiness in your life and ignore the instruction book for living. This is it, God's Holy Word. In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley, teaching biblical truths that transform lives. Listen to In Touch, weekday afternoons at 1230. Download the free Radio.com app at the Apple Store or Google Play to listen to WLQV, FM 92.7, and AM 1500, Faith Talk Detroit. Anytime, anywhere, hear the very best in local and national Bible teachings and preaching from ministry leaders across the Motor City and around the country. Discover engaging faith-based programs, inspiring sermons, Christian talk, and local sports on WLQV, FM 92.7, and AM 1500. Stream Faith Talk Detroit live on Radio.com today.
All right. Just let to let every let everyone know, let it be known far and clear. Okay, all those listeners in my radio audience, if you are interested in apologetics, you need to come to the apologetics boot camp August twenty eighth. August 28th, that's on a Saturday. You will hear more about it. It's going to be a morning event. We'll tell you all about it. We're going to um, be getting into apologetics. All right, just want to tell you that. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. If you owe back taxes, there's a lot you need to know, starting with rule number one. Don't mess with the IRS. They are cracking down this year by sending out heart-stopping letters, actively garnishing paychecks, levying bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. That's all true, but it's also true there's a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an important government program for tax debt assistance. It's one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered, so now's the time. You could qualify for tax relief that saves you thousands, even tens of thousands. Nobody knows this program like the award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and will fight to get you the best deal possible. Don't mess with the IRS. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Putts, pars, and pastors. Tee it up at the 2021 Pastors Masters with WLQV FM 92.7 and AM 1500 Faith Talk Detroit. Registration is open for this year's tournament Monday, September 13th at the Westwind Golf Club in Oakland Township. The cost is $20 for 18 holes and includes continental breakfast, lunch, prizes, and fellowship. Reserve your spot by logging on to FaithTalkDetroit.com. Sign up yourself, a group, or gift the round to a pastor. Visit FaithTalkDetroit.com. For more Pastors Masters information, Dr. Patty Giebink believed abortion helped women until God radically transformed her heart. On the next Focus on the Family, you'll hear her remarkable journey from abortion doctor to pro life advocate. You'll be inspired as she encourages you to share the message of life with compassion. Next time on Focus on the Family. Listen to Focus on the Family, weekday mornings at 9.30 on Faith Talk Detroit. Hey, it's Laura Story. Alaska will truly take your breath away. If you've ever wanted to see grizzlies catching salmon or humpback whales leaping from the water, I hope you'll join Salem Media Group and our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours, this summer to experience all this and more as we draw closer to the Creator for seven unforgettable days. Go online to deeperfaithcruise.com to register worry-free until June 8th. Deeperfaithcruise.com. Download the free radio.com app at the Apple Store or Google Play to listen to WLQV FM 92.7 and AM 1500 Faith Talk Detroit. Anytime, anywhere, hear the very best in local and national Bible teachings and preaching from ministry leaders across the Motor City and around the country. Discover engaging faith-based programs, inspiring sermons, Christian talk, and local sports on WLQV FM 92.7 and AM 1500. Stream Faith Talk Detroit live on radio.com today. All right, got our good friend Gary on the phone. I can't be long with you, Gary, but uh, you're on the line. Tell me what's on your mind. Hello? Yes. What's oh, up, okay. Gary? I thought you said somebody else. Okay. 
Minister Smith, I wanted to give him some questions, but uh, he sounds like he's a Baptist, and I'm a Pentecostal, and I believe theology is wrong, and that which will let us, will let us is the Holy Spirit. Uh, a lot of you don't know, Ezekiel 38, 30 minutes of the war of God, God's going to show uh-huh. the earth, it's going to be the end of the world, but it's not, it's not yet. Then in um, Revelation, the sixth chapter says, a quarter of the earth will die. Uh, so that's coming up, a quarter of the earth is going to die. And then in Revelation 9, uh, 9 um, uh, 16 through 18, it tells that an army of horsemen will be 200,000, and I heard the number of them, and it tells about the death that they will cause. And uh-huh. a, third, a third of the part of men will be killed. So that's another shaking and uh, war that will take place. I believe there will be China. Uh, I believe their army is going to come. They brag that they had that many army to come against the world, and they'll come against Israel. So I know you've read that before. So the, uh-huh. also the shaking that he's talking about, Minister Smith, will be after the thousand-year reign on earth, when the Lord uh, makes a new heaven and a new earth. So well, the you know, I tell you what, you're giving us a good breakdown on eschatology, and I appreciate it. I wish I could let you go on, but my time is limited. But thank you very much, Gary. Yeah. One more question? Uh, Insight into prophecy. You got a question? Yeah, can I ask one more question? Regarding you know yeah, well, is? is he a Baptist? Uh, no, he's not a Baptist. Okay, so it's not he's not coming from a background you know of denomination. Okay, I'm trying to get an understanding. Yeah, no, he's, uh, he, I can tell you, he's a he's a bona fide Christian guy, but I don't think he's Baptist. Is All right, thank you, Gary. Thank you. No, he's not Pentecostal either. Okay. All right, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Okay, uh, our time is just running out. Uh, definitely, I look forward to being with you uh, tomorrow. That's right. We're going to be talking about some stuff, some things. I want you guys to help me, okay? When a person says, God cannot do anything for you apart or separate from faith, because faith is God's source of power. Is that true or is that false? I would like to know what you think about it, okay? okay? Just think of it. God cannot do anything for you apart from from the force. Without the force of faith, God has no power. That's what this guy says. Apart from the force of faith, God has no power. Then he says this. Okay? It's not, this is somebody else. Okay? <laughs> They're on the same page, but it's somebody else. Job activated Satan by his fear. That's what this person says. Job activated Satan by his fear when he said, the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. Is that true? Did Job activate Satan by his fear? Hmm. Guy said it just like it's in the Bible. Okay. He says, active faith in the word brings God into the scene, but fear brings Satan on the scene. Now listen to this. I'm going to blow it up tomorrow. Active faith in the word brings God onto the scene. Fear brings Satan on the scene. I'm going to show that that's a sin. I'm sorry. I'm going to show that that was wrong and not true tomorrow. Okay? So, time is up. Wish I had further. Wish I had two hours, but that costs more. Okay. Send your donations to PO Box 05877, Detroit, Michigan, 48205. Make out those checks to Bible Bootcamp Ministries. This is Pastor Moss. See you next time.
sponsored by Bible Boot Camp Ministries. The following program is sponsored by Bible Boot Camp Ministries. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 